0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart.
1: Hey, get your popcorn ready.
0: NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app.
2: Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to take you around the league with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety, and Don Banks from Bleacher Report.
1: And Brian... We're going to kick off the podcast today with Rob Ring from NFLDraftScout.com.
2: Rob, always a pleasure. Let's start under center, and I'll give you a big-name quarterback. You tell me how much you believe in them, of course. I'll also point out a negative, because that's how we roll in Sports Talk Radio. Starting with Sam Darnold, the biggest flaw, all the turnovers last year.
3: Yeah, absolutely. He had so many turnovers, although I would argue that most of those turnovers came in the first month of the season, Brian, when USC was... You know, kind of acclimating to the fact that they lost four of their five starting offensive linemen, including all Pac-12 left tackle and center. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest things. What I like most about Sam Darnold, why he is my number one overall rated player, and I believe that he will be the number one overall player selected this year by the Cleveland Browns, is the fact that he has the intangibles, he has the size, the arm strength, and the athletic ability that you're looking for. He is every bit as accurate on the move as he is in the pocket.
1: And you mentioned something I think that's a a big no no for QBs. Being a former one, playing in the National Football League, of course we know. But when it comes down to those turnovers, the game in the National Football League is going to get much harder. And now you're playing with a team that's only won one game over the last two seasons. How does that fare for Sam Darnold, being that he is a sophomore? Uh, I say stay for one more year. But many say because of dollars and cents and being a number one pick, you should take the chance. But do you take that chance of going to Cleveland?
3: Well, so, uh, I think that you have to. You know, I mean, it's what well, we've seen in the past. I mean, Sam Bradford was a perfect example of it, that obviously he got hurt after his Heisman Trophy campaign and still wound up going number one overall. Um, Sam Bradford, in my opinion, Cordell, uh, I think that it was a wise decision for him to, to jump early. Um, and I think especially if he believes that he does have a chance to be the number one overall pick because, you know, stop me if you've heard this before, but I think the Cleveland Browns are ready to pot. I think they could be this year's Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Uh, <coughs> Excuse me. Hold up. Sorry. Pardon. I'm sorry. I was coughing. I'm sorry. I had a moment. <laughs> no, I hear
3: you. I hear you. I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the, the, the Browns have the money, they have the draft, uh, you know, the flexibility to be able to make an immediate impact and, Unlike some of the past years, I really think that they have now the scouting staff in place, led by John Dorsey, but as well as Alonzo Highsmith, as well as Scott McLuhan, to be able to take advantage of all those draft picks that they have. Now, getting back to the point initially about Sam Darnold, what I believe is why he will be successful is the fact that he does have the accuracy, he does have the poise, um, and he does have the arm strength. I just think that when you look at USC, other than the running back, Ronald Jones, who is every bit a a, a top 50 prospect himself, but other than that, Sam Darnold did not have the weapons that we're accustomed to seeing at USC. Uh, Deontay Burnett, far and away the leading wide receiver for the Trojans this past year, he made the jump early, and a big part of it was because Sam Darnold, made that initial NFL jump. Deontay Burnett's is a day three prospect at best, and he was the best wide receiver Sam Donald had. Now, if Cleveland finds him some wide receivers, then I think that whoever is the rookie quarterback going to Cleveland has a chance for immediate success.
2: Chatting with a good friend, Rob Rank from NFLDraftScout.com. Rob, the vast majority of our listeners probably did not see Josh Allen play a single down to Wyoming, lest they caught him in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl game or what he did in the Senior Bowl We know the quote-unquote upside, our favorite word, big body, big arm. Here is the negative, and I'm not a huge stat analyst, but even I can read a spreadsheet. Less than 60% completion rate at Wyoming. Can you give me a precedent, Rob, because this is what you do full-time. Give me somebody who struggled statistically in college football and suddenly got better in the NFL.
3: Uh, I would say Blake Bortles would, would be an example of that, that he had his one eye-popping performance uh, as a junior at Central Florida before making the, the big jump. And, and you could argue that Blake Bortles has not been very successful with Jacksonville Jaguars, but at the same time, he, he obviously wound up going number three overall and, you know, led a team that, that is now, um, you know, at least went to the AFC championship game. And this is a, a good football player in Josh Allen. What I would say is most intriguing about Josh Allen, besides all the physical attributes that you just mentioned, Brian, is the fact that Josh Allen did improve as his career went on. And at the bowl game, famous Idaho Potato Bowl, as you mentioned, he was spectacular in that performance. And then in senior bowl, and I've been going to Mobile, Alabama to scout Uh, alongside all the NFL general managers and those guys, because 2001, my first year was watching guys like LaDainian Tomlinson and Steve Hutchinson there. And it's very rare that you see a player from a so-called small school improve every single day in practice and then carry that over into an impressive game as well. And that's exactly what Josh Allen did. And so it kind of goes back to the idea that this is a player that his best football is still ahead of him, And so, therefore, I, you know, I I bit the apple. I I believe that Josh Allen can be a very successful starting quarterback in the NFL. He does need some time, but the upside is there to warrant top ten consideration, and that's where I think he's going to wind up going. I have him going number five overall right now, to the Denver Broncos, who, of course, John Elway knows a little bit and scouted uh, Josh Allen in person at the famous Idaho Potato Bowl as well as at the Senior Bowl where the Broncos wore the coaching staff.
1: Well, I mean, one thing you hope that the developmental process can be good, not because of them getting a chance to start, but because of the pressures of being good uh, won't hinder them from doing that. But when you look at these quarterbacks, I would say in this time and in, in, in era of football, quarterbacks are taught. NFL caliber style offenses throughout the National Football League, whether spread offenses, no huddle offenses. Way back when, when I played, it was getting in a huddle. You got two backs in the backfield, two wide receivers, hand the ball off, and let's just hope we have a great running day. Well, now it, it's about putting the ball up in the air. Is it okay to say that all these quarterbacks, whether it's Sam Darnold, Josh uh, Rosen, to Josh Allen, to even Baker Mayfield, these guys are pretty much pro-ready in a sense of how the the game is today for the quarterbacks in the National Football League?
3: I think that is fair to say, Cordell, with the four players that you just mentioned. Baker Mayfield, you know, the fact that he played and spread offense – uh, while at Texas Tech and then before making that transfer to Oklahoma, that was a little bit of a concern and that 's one of the reasons why I really applaud the young man for agreeing to participate at the Senior Bowl um, and, and be forced to, to change to a little bit more of a pro style office. The Denver Broncos were the group that that he worked under, so I was not a big Baker mayfield fan i 'll call myself out uh, you know because I just thought, hey, this is a guy that is taking advantage of the historically weak big twelve defenses and uh, playing that spread offense, but to see Baker Mayfield in person, to see that snappy release, to see that that he can create much greater velocity uh, with the football than I thought that he could based on film review, uh, I think that he can do that. Now the one quarterback who is bandied about as a first round prospect that you did not mention, Cordell, that I have some questions about his ability to come into the NFL and be immediately successful would be the 2017 Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson from Louisville, who did play in a little bit more of a simplified offense while at Louisville under Bobby Petrino, who has also led several other quarterbacks to be very successful in his scheme, and then they've kind of gone to the NFL and struggled to acclimate. I believe Lamar Jackson has all of the talent that you're looking for, but that there is going to be a learning curve, and unfortunately, as an underclassman, he was not allowed to participate in one of those senior All-Star games. So it's going to put... That that much more pressure on him to see how he performs during the throwing sessions at the combine, where I'm sure I'll be able to catch up with you guys this year as well.
2: Rob, let's wrap it up at the running back position beyond Saquon Barkley. How is this group coming together? You mentioned Ronald Jones of USC. We had a real good conversation with Ronald on Radio Row at the Super Bowl in Minnesota. He's a very impressive young man. I think he's going to do well in the interviews at the combine.
3: Yeah, I think he will. Also, I mean, he is—he's a guy that reminds me physically. Uh, of a Jamal Charles, a Chris Johnson. I mean, his straight line speed is remarkable, and he's also one of the best guys when it comes to the ball security, and that's not something you necessarily expect for a back at two hundred pounds, but whether it be Ronald Jones, whether it be Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle from Georgia, those are two of my absolute favorites in this draft class. I, I think this running back class is, is very good. I mean, it may not be quite as good as last year's, but last year's was phenomenal. But I, I do believe that that NFL teams are going to be able to find running backs, not only in the first round. You mentioned Saquon Barkley. He's the only back who I think is an absolute slam-dunk first round pick. But if you're going in the late portion of the first round and you find a guy like a Darius guys from LSU I mentioned the Georgia guys, uh, You know, I think that you can find a running back in the second or third round this year and maybe not be able to pull off what Kareem Hunt did for the Kansas City Chiefs, but I feel very strongly that you can find a starter who can help your team win immediately and that The running back class is about as deep this year as it was last year and, therefore, is one of the strengths, of the 2018 draft class.
2: Rob, great information as always. Thanks so much for joining us again on the NFL on TuneIn.
3: Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Tune
3: in, listeners. It's Fanbuary.
4: It's Fanbuary?
3: Yes, Fanbuary.
4: That time of year when we get ready for life after football.
3: NBA playoffs. Two, one,
4: for the win. Yes! March Madness. Slam to
3: win. And there'll be spring training.
0: It's
4: gone. It's a home run. NHL playoffs. is a chance. Block, rebound,
3: score. And the best way to celebrate Fambuary
4: is by upgrading to TuneIn Premium so you don't miss any of the great moments in sports.
3: Commercial free with TuneIn.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: Next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we welcome in Don Banks from the Athletic and Bleacher Report. Don, thanks for taking the time. Got to start in Philadelphia. What a unlikely run it's been for Nick Foles a few years ago, pondering retirement. Now he is the reigning Super Bowl MVP. Do you think based on all the uncertainty surrounding Carson Wentz trying to come back from the knee injury, he goes back to, talking about Foles, being number two on the depth chart in Philadelphia, or is he an asset? And maybe Philadelphia could get a first-round pick for him if they are able to deal him in the offseason.
5: Well, I mean, that's the question for the Eagles. Uh, it certainly, his value is never going to be higher. We know that. But it sounds like the Eagles are not eager to move him. I'm sure they're going to listen. I'm sure they're going to see if somebody blows them away, and I don't know actually what it would take to reach um, that category of being blown away. But I do think Nick Foles has already done the grass is greener, found out he fit better in Philadelphia than he fit anywhere else. I think he's showing every indication he's content with whatever the scenario that would leave him in Philadelphia. He's not worried about, I have to start. I think he understands he's in a pretty good situation. To be clear, no one knows exactly if Carson Wentz's knee is going to be ready from week one. So in some ways, it makes a lot of sense for the Eagles to think about Nick Foles being left exactly where he is in 2018. It's just a matter of I guess if there's a desperate team out there ready to throw the sun and the moon at the at the Eagles,
1: Don. When you when you when you think about this team, of course, with having Nick Foles in this position, and, and it's one that's, I mean, we've never seen one like this in a very very long time, right? Where you you go out and you make a few moves to grab the quarterback you and Carson Wentz, he becomes uh, the, the 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 lead guy for becoming the MVP in the National Football League, and then Nick Foles comes off and and does what we anticipated seeing Carson Wentz doing, but this team now is, is potentially in, in, on the way to being $9 million over the cap. How do you relieve that pressure, um, you know, in a sense to say, okay, if there is a Nick Foles, we may be able to get a first and maybe a second-round Harvey or second and a third and send him off somewhere else and get a few players to kind of alleviate some of that pressure. Do you think that may cause them to think about that down the road?
5: Well, yeah, I, I think they have ways of – Getting their cap situation under I, mean, I talked to Howie Roseman at the um the Eagles g m at the Super Bowl. he didn't seem real concerned so i I do think they have some moves that they can make, and they're not in a terrible bind, so I don't think that's going to drive the quarterback decision if there is any decision to be made. I think it's more cordell if if a team really makes an offer they they feel like they just can't refuse as an organization trying to you know get better in the long run. Because I think in the short term, they know that they're a stronger team if Nick Foles returns this season. But um, it, it really, to me, it shakes. It sh- it, with, with the draft being quarterback heavy, apparently, at the top with five potential first-round picks, and then some names now, including A.J. McCarron in free agency, I think it depends on how many teams don't get a need filled and if there's any sense of desperation after – Uh, after that, then I think the Eagles are going to get their best offer at that point.
2: Taking you around the league with Don Banks, the Athletic and Bleacher Report. He's our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Don, we know Jimmy Garoppolo broke the bank in the San Francisco Bay Area. All of that guaranteed money based on what he was able to do in a handful of starts, and he looked terrific, small sample size, taking over the starting duties for the 49ers. What does that kind of contract mean for Kirk Cousins? What do you think the marketplace is going to look like for him this offseason?
5: I think Kirk Cousins will beat it. Um that's my simple prediction. I'm not going to I don't know how, how much he'll beat it by, but I think he he'll beat it and I think Kirk Cousins could be the new not that it lasts long these days, the new highest paid player in the, in the league. Um that's just the way this works and you guys know that. The, the last contract the, the latest contract is usually um the biggest contract and with the cap keep, you know, continuing to grow exponentially. Kirk Cousins is going to be incredibly well paid. What I'm again interested in is, does he have just two or three teams he really is locked, you know, focused on, and and or is it going to, is he going to throw the the field wide open? Because obviously we could round up the usual suspects. We know the teams that are likely to come after him. We, you know, we know that Arizona and and Denver and the Jets, possibly the Bills, um, all those teams that are looking for quarterbacks. Are probably going to have Kirk Cousins number one on their list. Cleveland's in there as well. I just don't know it sounds like he has a pretty good idea guys of where he wants to go, how many you know how many teams he thinks legitimately he can win with. So to me, I think he's going to go in with two or three teams that he's real serious about. The rest are probably um, probably on the outside, hoping to get in the inner circle.
1: We know we heard uh, Kirk Cousins mention a couple of times he just wants to win. okay. And and I think those winning teams that you alluded to was, one, let's say the Cardinals. Let's say another could be the Denver Broncos. And then a few other teams that uh, we may be talking about. Those teams are teams that are, right now, they're going to have to give up something to bring in a Kirk Cousins with the money that he wants. In my mind, I'm thinking about, okay, if he wants a $70 million signing bonus, you have to look at teams like the Jets, who is $73 million under the cap, to the Cleveland Browns, who we know is 100 plus million bucks under the cap. Does this now cause Kirk Cousins to make a decision? Is it more about the money that I get? Because if that is the case, he's not going to go to a good football team, or it's about winning games and maybe have to get a little less than maybe what the marketplace now that Jimmy Garoppolo has created what he's created uh, allow him to get.
5: Yeah, you you know, the interesting team that you mentioned, Cordell, is the Jets. Now, they're not a quote-unquote winning team at the moment. However, they had a stronger season than anyone anticipated last year. The Jeremy Bates hire and bumping him up to offensive coordinator, a lot of people are reading the tea leaves as he's a guy that comes out of the Shanahan, Mike Shanahan coaching tree, where Kirk Cousins is most comfortable. And a lot of people – Believe the Jets are are a real strong contender for Kirk Cousins. I wouldn't have had him initially on my sh- short list of where I projected Cousins to go, but I think the more the more I hear about how much respect he has for Bates, and, the, and obviously there's where uh, the financial end works uh, with the cap room, and he might see the Jets as a team, um, you know, like last year's Eagles, seven and nine to Super Bowl, or the year before um uh, uh, an Atlanta team that was 8 and 8 to the Super Bowl or the year before a Carolina team that was 7 8 and 1 to the Super Bowl. So we you know we're we're putting the Jets obviously in not in a winning program light and and that's fair, but I also think that Kirk Cousins might judge things a little differently.
2: Don Banks is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Don, you took your tremendous snap judgments column to Patriots.com this year. So let's talk about Rob Gronkowski. Do you buy the retirement speculation? I could see him making the move to wrestling or trying to become an action hero, but it also could be a ploy to try to get more money from the club.
5: Yeah, look, I I don't think it's a total ploy, but I mean, I I understand the injuries and, and the fact that he's got other options and maybe the concussion. Um, against Jacksonville really gave him pause about going forward in the game. I've said all along, I think if I had to put a dollar on it, I'd, I'd say that he's he's remaining a Patriot in 2018 and continuing his career because I think he still has the love of the game, and I think he still has things he wants to accomplish. But it's a legitimate um, discussion that I think he does have options that, that he can make a lot of money outside of, of putting his body on the line. So I don't dismiss it, um, but I think it's it's more likely that he returns than not. Uh, maybe in two years we're having a different discussion.
1: Give me a take on A.J. McCarron. Um, I know he went in and he had a small sample size of football that he played, played one of his better games, which was a few years ago against the Steelers in the playoff. And, of course, we saw the implosion of that team uh, that took place with Vontaze perfect and also Pac Man Jones, that cost him to lose it. But give me your take on his value. You know, like he's come from winning ways. And I think when you look in the free agent market, guys are going to look for bargains, you know, and, and especially the Denver Broncos. They're not going to, want to give anyone 60 to 70 million bucks, but they're going to bring someone in that they can believe in and that can come in and get the job done. Give me your take on uh, AJ McCarron.
5: Well, it is a really small. Sample size. I I would be a little wary, and I I agree with you. I think he played really well in that playoff game against Pittsburgh two years ago. Um, he wasn't the reason they lost it, obviously. Um, but I don't think he has the strongest arm. I think he is more of the type of quarterback that is really really has to be accurate and obviously uh, work the field underneath. He could be this year's Mike Glennon. People are wondering is he this year? You know, is he the next Jimmy Garoppolo? I'd have to put him closer to the Mike Glennon. That that the more he plays the more you might realize that he's he's a backup quarterback in this league. Um but you know it takes one team and you mentioned Denver I think that's a an intriguing spot for him to fall in love with his game and say he's our guy. But again, there's there's a lot of chairs and there's the music's going to stop and we're going to see who's still not having filled that chair and I I think it makes it one of the most intriguing quarterback markets between the draft and free agency in some time.
2: Don, thanks so much for the insights. Enjoy the holiday weekend, and we appreciate you joining us today on the NFL on TuneIn.
0: Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Cordell. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. TuneIn has what you need and when you want it, when on the run and on the go. Covering all musical needs. Today's hits. Know, nah, nah. Latin hey. hits. Keep Alvin, William. Country Roads. Like Hip Hop Beat ho-la, ho-la, down. Ho-la, little ho-la, little Be on, Sit down. Sit down. Supporting artists and the music they make. Exclusively on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, Cordell and I let super producer Abe Gordon be the judge in a segment we call Average Abe.
0: One co-host was the most versatile quarterback of his generation. That goes Sl- The other co-host is an Emmy award-winning media elite.
2: How hard could it be? I'm a Stanford right. grad. I'm a genius. But
0: who speaks for the fans on NFL No Huddle? Let's turn to a man whose football knowledge is better than most, but not as exceptional as he believes. Average
2: Abe. It's been said charity starts at home, so let's be charitable and let our super producer Abe Gordon actually have some airtime. Abe, it's your segment. Where do you want to start?
4: All right, guys, going to you Cordell first with Larry Fitzgerald and Announcing his return to the Cardinals, but facing, playing with a new quarterback. Do you think this is his final season, or could he play beyond just one more year?
1: I think it depends on how successful they become uh, this season. If, if they were to have this new quarterback, let's just throw it out there. Say it's someone like a, let's just say, a A.J. McCarron. He comes out, and, or even a Case Keenum, for the sake of kind of Sam Bradford, who, who we know all the free agents there in, in Minnesota. I say they bring one of these guys in and they're capable of of having success and competing in the NFC West uh, and they go out and make it to a make a playoff run. Um, I think he ends up trying to come back because this is one thing we know for sure when it comes to receiving yards, he is probably anywhere about 350 yards behind Terrell Owens for being the second most receiving yards of all time. He wants to get that record to be behind one of the best to ever do it in a Jerry Rice. Um, It's going to boil down to him being able to achieve all those things. And if he see that there's hope in them having success and making a run to a championship, Um, and I think it's probably going to come down to how they do it this upcoming season, I think he does come back because they will allow him to because he has so many vouchers, I would say, because he's been there for so long, to do what he wants to do, how he wants to do it, whenever he wants to do it, and he's extremely respectful and humble after all the things that he's accomplished so far when it comes to being a receiver in the National Football League. So I think it's going to be his choice when it's all said and done.
2: And I think he's going to choose to make this his final season. So if you care about age, and obviously he is in phenomenal shape, and we know the transition from the outside to the inside has not slowed him down in terms of productivity, become a dynamic slot receiver, which is supposed to be pejorative on a big word Friday. Say someone's a slot receiver, typically you're implying they don't have impact, not the case for Fitzgerald. Big numbers once more, despite a revolving door quarterbacks this year. He is going to turn 35 just prior to the start of the regular season in August. So he's been largely injury-free. He has other pursuits outside of football. We don't talk golf on this show, but even I know that he was brilliant at Pebble Beach a couple weeks ago, winning that famous Pro-Am. So I think if he sums up where he is... He's a first ballot Hall of Famer as of today. This is all bonus material. Walk away while you're still very good. Enjoy this last season. Don't tell us in the media. Don't make it official. You don't want the farewell tour. But walk away while you're still healthy and still playing outstanding football. To me, this is the beginning of the end. This will be his final season in the NFL.
4: Uh, I like what you did with that argument there, B-Web, but uh, Cordell gets the point, and it's because I think the idea that he might be chasing records or close to uh, some sort of uh, greatest of all time wide receiver numbers outside of Jerry Rice, uh, that interests me. So I, I think uh, I think if he is within reach of that, he might play uh, a, a second year. So I'm going to go with Cordell on that one. He gets off to the one nothing start. Moving on to the second question, Cordell. Stay with me on this one here. The five draft finalists for 2019 and 2020 have been announced. Is Canton, Las Vegas, Denver, Tennessee, and Kansas City. In the 2020 draft, not this draft, not next year's draft, but three drafts from now, which of those five cities, and we're going to tie Canton to the Browns and with Cleveland, which of those five cities will have the highest draft pick?
1: The highest draft picks, which means they're the worst team uh, in the National Football League. Um, let me let me look at these cities again because you gave me a, a boatload of cities. Let's see. What do you have here? You have Cleveland, Las Vegas, Denver, and Kansas City. It's going to have the highest draft pick. Um, and how many years is this? In Five Tennessee.
4: years. Don't forget the Titans as well. Oh, and
1: don't forget the Titans as well. And how many this season, is in
4: three years. In three years. So three drafts. Two more full seasons and three drafts.
1: You know what? I'm going to stick with the Cleveland Browns. They are who we thought they were. They're not that good. I mean, you think of this Raiders football team. Who's going to be with this Raiders football team? Team John Gruden. John Gruden's going to be there. He's going to get it done. Fance Joseph, I don't know if he's going to be the head coach of this football team, but John Elway has his name all over. The Tennessee Titans, they have Mike Vrabel, and we have to assume Andy Reid may still be around or someone uh, that's there in that organization that's going to get it done. And I think of all those organizations that I'm talking about, they have, they have winning ways within them. The only one that's the losing one is the one that's Cleveland the city that you actually worked in at some point in time in your radio world, you've had a chance to work there. You know how decrepit when it comes to the mentality of those people because they've lost so much. They're, they're just feeling old and they're just, just raggedy and just they just feel like they're not appreciated. They had to give a losing parade at the end of this, this last season. When have we ever seen anything like that done? The only thing they have live in that city right now is the team in the Cleveland Cavaliers, and of course that's basketball, that's not football. So because it's not basketball, and it is football, it's almost like you know what we're just happy to see football but we know it's not going to be anything good i say this team in the cleveland browns will for the next probably five to ten years let's just say that we'll have the top draft pick in the draft for years to come and it's just not going to happen just this year it's not just going to happen next year i give them at least a minimum of five years to ten years where they'll be in the top two to three picks in the national football league drafts go ahead
2: all right you're a kind person can we just start with the premise Is that the most convoluted complicated uh, question you've hissed. What the hell did it was you just a, it lay was out a lot there? I had to think about it for what a second. What is the point of this? <laughs> I, I, I understand it's a construct and we're trying to come up with ways of being creative in the offseason. Oh my, my goodness. That was good. Can that you read funny. that again?
1: I, 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 when he said it, I had to squint my eyes like the sun was shining. I have the swamp
2: like, fever it? still. Obviously, uh, I'm getting back from my affliction. 32. All right, But even go. I don't have the brain power to harness here. One more time, Abe. Here we go.
4: The five draft finalists for 2019 and 2020 have been announced as Canton, Las Vegas, Denver, Tennessee, and Kansas City. In the 2020 draft, so not this draft, not next year's draft, but three drafts from now, which of these five cities, and we're going to tie Canton to Cleveland and the Browns, which of these five cities will have the highest
2: draft pick? Honestly, what made you think of this? (laughs) And why did you go to a three-year time horizon? Why not next year or the year after? What was special about three?
4: I just thought next year was... uh, not enough discussion. Mm. I think two years <laughs> removed, two full seasons removed, I okay, think we'll have a difference. So, you just want uh, random good. speculation
2: here. Now, Cordell's the right, My throat is hurting. can't go wrong jumping on poor Cleveland, but I'm going to follow your logic as much as I can here. So, three years from now, you're saying finally the broken Browns will be fixed. So, I'll buy that to a degree, I'll play along i got to come up with some rationality here. Otherwise, we're just making stuff up. Las Vegas will still have a franchise quarterback in Derek Carr. Tennessee has a functioning quarterback in Marcus Mariota, if he can stay upright. That gets me to Denver or Kansas City. I'm going to bash Denver. Why? John Elway refuses to spend money, so think about what they're going to do this offseason. I think they're going to sign A.J. McCarron because they don't want to spend the money on Kirk Cousins, or if they draft one of the quarterbacks with actual draft knowledge coming up in less than 15 minutes when we say hello to Rob Rang from NFLDraftScout.com, they're going to take Baker Mayfield, which I think is going to be a colossal mistake. So Denver's still going to be looking for a quarterback this year. The blowback is profound when you can't find one. There'll be consequences for that a couple years down the road. To mix it up, I go with the Denver Broncos in the most ill-conceived question of all time in the history of sports media. Back to you.
4: Believe it or not, b Webb, I think you hit the nail on the head. For me, they are the one team that will not have an identity moving forward over the next two years. Uh, I I think the quarterback situation there is going to be iffy. Cleveland's going to get Someone this coming uh, draft or in free agency. Uh, So I do think that's the question mark. I think that Denver is the correct answer. You have tied it up one-to-one. Moving on to question number three. With A.J. McCarron now becoming a free agent, will he be signed to a team before or after Kirk Cousins, and will it be in the starter's role? I think
1: because his numbers aren't that big in a sense of how Kirk Cousins is, I think A.J. McCarron gets himself on the team now. Um, I think he now that, this, now that he's a free agent unrestricted, I think when it actually opens for those guys that have a chance to to be on someone else's football team for his, the free agent market being open, uh, I think he gets it done sooner than later. I mean, his numbers won't be as astronomical as someone like a Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins will, may be a little bit more difficult then we may believe because we know that he is the top guy uh, out there. I think they not so much will take their time, but they just want to make sure they do their due diligence and understanding that because of the number that it is he wants, you know, he may have to settle for a lesser team in comparison to the Cardinals, to the the Denver Broncos, and and even a team like the Bills. The Bills may take a chance with him, but when you see the Jets 73 million bucks under the cap. When you see a team like uh, the, the 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 Cleveland Browns who are a hundred plus million dollars under the cap, Jimmy Garoppolo is taking that San Francisco job. So I think now it's just a matter of what is the perfect fit for a guy like him. That's going to be asking for maybe anywhere from 65 to 70 plus million bucks and guarantee money where AJ McCarron, I think when it comes down to dollars and cents, it make more sense to work with him uh knowing that he's, he's going to be more cost-effective, I think, for the bottom-line number when it's all said and done in the end. So I would say A.J. McCarron gets taken care of first, and then you see Kirk Cousins trying to find that perfect place to give him the perfect amount of money uh, that's going to allow him to go somewhere because it may end up having to be a lesser team than the teams I mentioned, like the Denver Broncos and Arizona Cardinals.
2: Since this is the dreaded two-part question, I'll take it one prong at a time. First, who's going to go first? McCarron gets signed prior to Cousins because I think it's going to be Denver, but let's play the hypothetical game. Let's say it's Cleveland. It's going to be one of those teams with a top five pick. If you sign McCarron, unless Cleveland wants to get cute because they have both the number one and number four overall picks and devote one of those selections to a quarterback. But I think it's going to be Denver, so follow this reasoning. If it's Denver, you sign McCarron prior to the draft. That way you don't have to invest draft capital in a quarterback. So it's McCarron going first. And yeah, clearly he's going to be a starter because Denver's been looking for a starter since Peyton Manning, even though he wasn't much of a starter as his body was falling apart on that run to the Super Bowl. So McCarron is going to be much more cap friendly. I'm not convinced this guy's going to be a frontline starter. I keep throwing out Mike Lennon, not a lazy comp. We're just being guided by history here. McCarron is functional. He was okay. He was aight, right, as they used to say in New York when I was a kid. But I'm not putting him in the Pro Bowl. I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame. Still, it's all about a finite number of starters you can believe in. There are more teams with needs than actual functioning quarterbacks. So McCarron's going to get more money than he quote-unquote should. And I think he's going to get it from Denver, Abe Gordon.
4: A.J. McCarron will be signed before Kirk Cousins, although he shouldn't. If you're in the running for free agent quarterback, you should wait until you're sure you have no shot at Cousins. That's just my thoughts. And it will be in the starter's role, although, again, it shouldn't. I don't think he's going to do much in that role. So uh, B. Webb, on a two-question run, gets the point on that one. Cordell, moving to you, question number four, chance to tie it back up. What's your favorite event of the NFL offseason? Is it the combine, the draft, the free agency window, something else? What you got for me?
1: Oh, the most fun, I think, is obviously um, it's not the camps, you know, because, yeah, I know the teams come together and all that fun stuff. It, It still becomes a little murky. Uh, I think when it comes to the draft, you know, that's a tremendous amount of fun because you get a chance when we travel, of course, to the venues. We get a chance to to see the fans uh, get excited and you start trying to now position these teams to go to a Super Bowl or will they be a better team than what they were the year before. And then when you think of the the draft, you know, they have all these youngsters uh, that are coming out with their opportunities um, to actually have a chance to to, to, – to so to go to one, this is what I'll say to you. I'll go to the combine. I like the combine much better. Why? Because you have all these young kids walking around with their agents being around, and, and you have all these teams trying to find the, the right kid to, to put them in position. We're trying to come up with the right answer of who's going to go where and why, and we all become fools. Why? Because we're all wrong. Uh, so when I think about it, I think about the youngsters having a chance to go from the collegiate level to the National Football League and the enthusiasm and the excitement and every, all the stories we hear from all these young guys of how they started their careers playing football, who was instrumental in their lives, to now all of a sudden having a chance, like a Leonard Fournette, saying that he's 5 to 10 pounds overweight and, and everyone's making a big deal of it because they're saying that he's out of shape, but he's telling everyone it's water weight and all of a sudden he still ends up going very high in the draft to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think the anxiety and anticipation uh, of, of it all, to see these kids come together and putting talent against talent. Think about it. Josh Allen, Josh Rosen. Think about it. The diminutive, as Brian Weber says, the Baker Mayfields of the world. All right? How about the Sam Darnold, the sophomore? The kid that throws and thrown a tremendous amount of interceptions, but they're still touting him to being in the top five to the top, t- top eight categories. As a quarterback, that can go in the first round. So I like uh, the combine more than most. Everything else kind of sets itself, but the anxiety and anticipation of everything,
2: I like the combine. All right. For me, it's all about the free agent frenzy. And, of course, it's been branded as such because I don't think it's just hype. I think it is a wild 48 hours across the NFL, in part because the league figured out, let's really add some juice to this. And they made the legal tampering period where agents and teams can have the conversation. And I just love the flurry of activity, especially given where we are in the sporting calendar. I used to be a baseball guy. I can't watch regular season baseball. So you're not going to pay me to watch spring training. I love college basketball the way I used to. You get to March, you're looking for football information. Free agency is an avalanche of data. All the speculation, who's going where. And I'm going to give you a part B because we're not involved with the actual mechanics of free agency. We report and we get the best reporters on the program to share their knowledge. But in terms of covering one of these events, I'm going off the board The NFL annual meeting every spring when the owners get together, to me, is fascinating because even though I don't watch Game of Thrones, I'm familiar that you kids enjoy it. I love power dynamics. I love intrigue, negotiation, compromise, how the sausage metaphorically gets made. Plus, since I haven't taken a vacation in 17 years, it's nice to go to a luxury hotel and go, hmm. Must be nice. And then we go down the road and check into a Motel 6. So two-part answer there, and I'm sure you're going to tell me I'm wrong on both counts. Abe, you're the judge here.
4: Yeah, it's the Combine. Sorry, bud. It's definitely the Combine. (laughs) It it, it gives me the most comic and entertainment. I mean, I sit there and watch these guys (laughs) do the same thing 17 times, and... Oh, this quarterback was 19 of 20 today with no defenders and no air and no elements. I mean, come on. It, nothing's better than that. And the answers and oh, how quickly did he finish his wonderlick? Did he get a 50 or a 47? Well, you know, I mean, nothing's better than combine. Come on.
2: Do you have a blog, Abe? At, at some point, you got to get these masterful thoughts on paper. As you
4: might recall from question number two, I'm barely literate. so <laughs> Yeah, I'm still trying to
2: diagram trying to write, you, you, Yeah, trying to write. Was there a predicate anywhere Maybe in not. there? What I, was that? I a predicate? Do you remember that predicate? Never mind. Just wrap it up. Simple? Okay. What is this? Yeah, ra- oh, yeah. Wrap it up with How something intriguing in here point? in all your right. final question.
4: All right, Cordell. In, mm-hmm. in uh, celebration of President's Day, we're going to be gone on Monday, so we won't mm-hmm. be back until Tuesday. So I ask you this uh, It's our final show before President's Day. Who is or was your favorite president of all time and why?
1: Wow. Favorite president? Whew. Shoosh. Uh. Let's see. Okay, Ronald Reagan, you know, his brother took one for the team. He, he stayed alive, so he has nine lives. Uh, we have Clinton. He was considered as one of the first brothers to get in office because a lot of things that he did in it. Um, and then we had the brother himself and Barack Obama, and then we have the the most wealthiest president of all time, and, and Donald Trump. And, you know, everything is, is all shook up, as Elvis Presley would say in society today. It's all shook up because he's very candid in what he says. I think when it comes to transparency and crossover appeal, I think Clinton, at the end of the day, uh, was the front runner, and then the smooth, charismatic uh, Barack Hussein Obama. Obama came along, and and I thought he and Michelle, when it came to the first lady and and the royalty, they they've shown in the sense of how they she connected with the ladies in society, along with, high Obama in tough places and times. You know, he kept everybody. Kind of relaxed and calm when things got a little hectic, and and I thought he did a great job of of connecting with the people because that's what happens. You know that position is of all about taking care and making sure that the people of this country is uh, is safe and comfortable, and and at the same time, while sometimes you're not going to be able to, to facilitate everyone, uh, but this is the land of the free and home of the brave, and they always go out of their way at that time in which he was a president, made sure everyone felt like they could have been a part of. Uh, this country, whether they were immigrants or just people who are citizens of this country, I thought Obama was about as good as it got. And he's the one, when you see all the presidents come together, whether it's Bush, whether it's Clinton, or whomever it may be, he always brings all those guys together and uh, do a phenomenal job to make this world understand that, you know, hey, it's all about togetherness. We can't do it by ourselves. And that's what Obama has done. So he's my favorite.
2: Thank you for sharing. You know what I'm going to say here? I don't you talk you say politics. The president of a Tunein? I don't talk <laughs> politics. Yeah, President Tune-in. I wish I could vote for <laughs> Tune-in right now. I would vote early and I will vote often. I'm not answering this question. You I don't want heat it. on social media and I'll point out among our former presidents, Gerald Ford was the greatest football player, of course. He was a college star in Michigan. I know I lose Cordell wins. He's the big winner on the program once more. You're
0: listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast and we'll be right back with more after
4: this. Listen to your international news on TuneIn. Search under TuneIn News and catch up on what's happening in the world with CNN International. Welcome back to World News. Or go to the corners of the globe with BBC World Service.
0: This is the BBC.
4: And Jazeera News. This is Al Jazeera. So on the run, in the car, or anywhere life takes you, now you can listen to international news as it breaks on tune in ask alexa
3: just ask me
0: alexa to find your international news on tune or search news today Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's focus on today's top stories with former NFL safety Nick Ferguson. Nick, thanks for taking the time. Let's start with the news that A.J. McCarron was looking for. He's heading into unrestricted free agency. What did he show you in his limited run filling in for Andy Dalton? How good of a full-time starter do you think he's going to be?
6: Well, looking at the fact of the guys that we have currently in backup roles in the NFL, and I know it sounds strange me starting with the backup quarterback role, uh, there's not a lot of teams that have guys who can make plays uh, at that backup position, and A.J. McCarron has definitely been in that position for a couple of years backing up Andy Dalton, and, and I'm glad he, he won his arbitration because for a guy to be stashed on uh, any team's roster, knowing that as though he can play, and he showed that, he can play, he go back to uh, week 14 when Andy Dalton gets injured against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, you know, A.J. McCarron comes in and shows us, you know, what he was able to do being a quarterback at Alabama. And for me, there's not a lot of people really believing in, you know, the quarterback and being able to go out and be a starter uh, in this league. But A.J. McCarron shows uh, everything you need at a quarterback position. He sees – uh Uh, downfield routes developed from the quarterback position. He moves well inside the pocket. If you want to go with the RPO type of offense, we've seen the Eagles be successful against the Patriots in the Super Bowl with Nick Foles uh, running that same type of offense. But it's all about ball placement. I mean, Cordell, uh, you talk about a lot on this program. Cordell is the only quarterback on this program. He's played the position, and he knows well. I mean, so often do we hear about quarterbacks Uh, guys needing to have that gunslinger mentality and a strong arm. But if your decision-making and your ball placement isn't there, then to me uh, you might as well be a a pro bowler, uh, if you will, with arm strength like that. But uh, A.J. McCarron, I'm I'm glad he's uh, uh, open. He's hitting the free agent market. Now he can see what his true value is. Uh, We've watched Kirk Cousins hold the Washington Redskins for ransom over the past couple of years. And for me, even though we don't have a lot of – professional tape on Andy Dalton when we've seen him play you know especially from my perspective he's played the game well in the way that you want a guy to play the quarterback position especially coming off of the bench in a critical situation and showing that he can actually deliver
1: Nick when you when you look at the the playing field for the quarterbacks right now you got guys coming out of the draft you have free agents that are out there so the marketplace is It's pretty darn nice uh, for quarterbacks, but yet there's only so many spots that are available. But this does put a premium on that position. I think A.J. McCarron, as you alluded to a second ago, uh, is one that I think that's going to be cost-effective for a lot of football teams. While, yes, the money has gotten big because of what Jimmy Garoppolo has been able to do, and and of course we know what Kirk Cousins is going to have an opportunity to get. Teams are still trying to find that bargain. I think that's why it's going to be tough for a Kirk Cousins to go somewhere like Denver or Arizona uh, because while their teams are prepared to bring in someone of his caliber, they don't know for sure if they have to spend that type of money just because if they do, they would have to get rid of a few guys. But yet you see the Jets, you see the Cleveland Browns, it can be a team that can grab him. A.J. McCarron, I think, is in the driver's seat for the most part when it comes out to have a chance to go to a better team because they don't have to spend that much on him.
6: You're absolutely right, uh, Cordell. When when the Washington Redskins decided that they were going to trade for Alex Smith, that kind of put Kirk Cousins in a tough situation, knowing as though the Redskins is off the table. Then it was, okay, well, maybe he links up with uh, Kyle Shanahan with the San Francisco 49ers, but they lock up uh, Jimmy Garoppolo for five years. So now there's kind of slim pickings. It's either uh, the Broncos, uh, the Jets, uh, Arizona or the Cleveland Browns. And then now you have to look at cap space. And the Denver Broncos, uh, they don't have uh, as much cap space as the Cleveland Browns. And if you are Hugh Jackson, who are you more familiar with, A.J. McCarron or a guy like Kirk Cousins? And for me, when I look at the fact, if, I, if I'm a GM, I'm not going to kind of mortgage my franchise betting on Kirk Cousins knowing exactly what you just said What am I going to have to sacrifice maybe on my defense if I'm John Elway to get a guy like Kirk Cousins? Maybe I go out and take a risk on a guy like A.J. McCarron, knowing as though, you know, I have a great defense. We will retool our offensive line. Our ground game has been uh, great with C.J. Anderson going over 1,000 yards last season, and then we have two bookends outside the numbers in Emmanuel Sanders and Damaris Thomas. So now we're looking at, you know, cost-effectiveness – and being effective at the same time, because you don't need to have a gunslinger at that position. You need a guy that's efficient. And when you talked about the fact of saying, well, the quarterbacks that are available who are unrestricted free agents, to me the only guys that kind of get a lot of the buzz is Drew Brees and Kirk Cousins. And you can expect Drew Brees to sign back with the New Orleans Saints, and if he doesn't, that would be shocking. But, you know, going down that, that laundry list of quarterbacks that are available, to me you don't want to do that. Because you look at how much those guys are going to cost, and you mentioned another aspect of it. What about the guys coming out of college? They look great. You know, some you know, talk Sam Donald and Josh Rosen, but once again, we're still talking about rookie quarterbacks that still lack NFL experience and you still need to develop them. But if you're a team that is built to win now, you go out and get a cost-effective quarterback, that's either A.J. McCarron or you trade for a guy like Nick Foles.
2: Chatting with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety, who spent a decade in the league. Nick, you're a proud alumnus of the New York Jets. Way too early question, but you can handle it. Who's going to be their starter this season?
6: Well, that's, that's hard to say because right now they really don't know. Uh, you got you know Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg, but the guy for me is Josh McCown, uh a journeyman in the NFL, but he showed last season that he can come in and lead this team. Uh, got, got banged up, some bumps and bruises, but for the most part – He was the most impressive quarterback that we've seen for the Jets in a long time. So to me, from Todd Bowles, that's the guy that I want to start 2018 season with, but now you're still wondering, well, who's the heir apparent? You haven't really truly developed the backup two quarterbacks, Hackenberg and Bryce Petty, so you need someone else that you can bring in and now start to develop that guy to take over and groom them to take over for Josh McCown. But that's going to be a real tricky situation for Mike McKagan and Tar Bowles, but that's definitely something that they need to do. But Josh McCown is the guy moving forward until they're able to develop another quarterback.
1: Speaking of the quarterbacks, uh, let's go to a, a veteran that's already established on this team and got paid very handsomely. Uh, let's talk about Andrew Luck. Uh, last three years, he's, he's missed 26 games, and they bring in uh, Frank Reich who, let's just say, hopefully will be able to, to bring some life into the situation and keep Andrew Luck on the football field. What do you think he does when he comes into Indy to give him an opportunity to have some success? Because, you know, they need help, especially on the offensive side of football everywhere.
6: Well, you know, this is, was one of those uh, you know, positions as far as taking over for a team that was uh, uh, I think for, for me was really trivial because they have so many issues on both sides of the ball. I hope the organization and management are really, truly committed to giving Frank Wright what he needs and the time he needs to develop the guys on his roster. But you just look at what, you know, Frank was able to do with uh, Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. Uh, You you can say, well, you know, Carson Wentz and Nick Foles, they had Frank Wright, they had Joe DiFilippo, and they had Doug Peterson there. So that's three guys who have have knowledge on the quarterback position that helped out, but when you look at a guy like Andrew Luck, we already know he's like Peyton Manning. He's a cerebral type of player. He processes information well. We know when he's healthy what he can do on the field. So it's about you know putting pieces around him, and the first part is – you know, solidifying that offensive line and finding another running back because right now Frank Gore is, you know, the eldest statement, statement in that running back room. And, you know, there's no certainty he's going to be back. So you need to be able to give a guy like Andrew Luck or Jacob Brissett some kind of balance at that running back uh, position. But I have all the faith and confidence in Frank Wright that he can go in and he can, uh, you know, right the ship, especially if the organization is committed Uh, to giving him the pieces and the resources he needs. Because don't forget, he was a quarterback who had that phenomenal, you know, comeback win against uh, Warren Moon and the Houston Oilers. So uh, this is a perfect situation for him to actually make his name as a head coach. But there's a lot of commitment that the organization and resources they're going to have to dedicate to giving him uh, to make sure this team is really competitive in 2018.
2: Nick, even if Andrew Luck is fully healthy and nobody knows that to be true, he went on a video chat the other day endorsing Frank Reich but wouldn't talk about where he is physically, and we know he still has not been able to throw a football. But let's say it's best-case scenario, he's back and looks like Andrew Luck again were you slotting Indy in a division that's vastly improved? Jacksonville made it to the AFC title game. Tennessee broke through, got to the playoffs, and Deshaun Watson, before going down, was a revelation in Houston.
6: Well, I'm, I'm going to put them still in the fourth spot. Uh, B. Webb is because you mentioned, you know, those uh, other three teams. They've done well in developing uh, their teams over the years, and. Uh, Frank Wright, he's got to come in and change something with the defense. And even if Andrew Luck is Andrew Luck of old, if you can't stop someone on the defensive side of the ball, it really doesn't make a difference. And uh, this narrative hasn't really changed. It was the same when Peyton Manning was there. It's the same with Andrew Luck. We're just going to we're just gonna have to score more points than uh, our opponent. So right now until they show anything different, because what we know – When you go out of free agency and you go out in the draft and you try to rebuild that defense, things are not going to come together as quickly as you would expect. And then looking at what Jacksonville has been this past season, they're going to continue to be uh, a terror. So you have to make sure that you can match them on the defensive side of the ball because you're not going to be able to match them offensively every single game.
1: Kirk, let's just talk about uh, – I'm uh, about to say Kirk Cousins. Uh, Nick, let's talk about <laughs> got Kirk, Kirk Cousins. You Sorry, got Kirk on the brain. I wonder if he's going to give you some of that cash he's going to receive. It's all good, bro. Um, tell, me, tell me, how do you see Kirk Cousins actually finishing up this, this, uh, this offseason? Because he's going to ask for a big penny. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo has really set the tone And because the body of work is much better, and it's bigger. I won't say necessarily better because this guy is undefeated. It was a small sample size, but he's winning. And that's afforded him to have a 137.5 million dollar deal. Tell me about Kirk Cousins with his experience. What do you really see him have an opportunity to have a really, really good fit?
6: Well, first of all, as far as the financial side, he's going to go to where whatever team and say, look, you know, look what San Francisco has decided to give Garoppolo, you know, and my time here and back-to-back seasons, uh, more than you know, 3,000 yards in those seasons, and some of my guys have been banged up on the offensive side of the ball so you know this is what the market is uh, demanding that i get paid at this particular point but what's going to happen with curtis he's gonna have to humble himself if it's not a, a team like the cleveland browns you know then it is going to be very difficult for a team once again to kind of fork over that type of cash for a guy who re- really hasn't shown that he can be you know a brady type of guy he can be a manning type of guy uh, or, or a breeze where, where he can actually lead a team or just will a team uh, to victory, even if they're deficient on either side of the ball. So he's going to have to humble himself and maybe reduce to taking less money to be with a quality team to actually try to make, make a run. If, if that doesn't happen, let's say he goes to Cleveland, then he's going to have some struggles. Uh, they have a new – Offensive coordinator, uh, which would probably try to, you know, game plan and scheme some things uh, for him. But still, you still don't have the elite talent on the offensive side of the ball in Cleveland that you may have, you know, with the Denver Broncos. So it's all about Kirk Cousins and, you know, what does he want to be? Do you want to be the highest paid guy or do you want to have a chance to win some championship? And that may mean taking less money to do so.
2: Nick, great information as always. We appreciate the time. Holiday weekend coming up. You are the resident movie critic on this program. When will you be checking out Black Panther?
6: Uh, Black Panther, we'll be checking that out in about four hours, my friend. Wow. Yes. Almost like
2: hours. you and I had rehearsed that. I just guessed because <laughs> I know you. You're going to love it, yes. Nick. I saw it today. I saw it, before. I saw it today.
1: It's phenomenal. It,
6: it, there it is. Well, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this is the first time we have... Uh, another African-American hero in Black Panther other than Blade. So uh, I, I, mean, I'm, I, lo- I love the whole idea, and not just African-American kids are embracing the character. Uh, it, he kind of speaks to a diverse crowd, so I'm, I'm really excited about seeing the film. Well, real On quick before you go,
1: before you guys out. go, if you watch the Civil War with the Avengers, you get an opportunity to see uh, the debut of the Black Panther actually already being a part of the Marvel, fam- Marvel family, but yet, when he ended up getting his, getting his own show, I think that's when it became extremely intriguing. But check him out on the Civil War Avengers, uh, where you have, obviously, you have Iron Man, uh, you have the Incredible Hulk, you have Thor, uh, you have all of them, and then you get an opportunity to see him in his own his own film. But the debut started with the Civil War
2: Avengers. Check it out. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Nick knew that. I was going to plug his podcast, Out the Movies with Nick Ferguson, Cordell. Check it out. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Have a great weekend. All right, guys. Enjoy your weekend.
0: Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle.
6: The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.